0: i sure. sure.
1: the altar is open for us this evening, this is the time for us to come and to thank God for what He has done. Uh, You know, if you just simply need to praise Him or if you have a need that you need to bring to Him, uh, you know, now is the time. would ask if the ladies could to uh, please come and uh, you know and gather around uh, Darla Um, she has finished up her uh, medication and stuff for the bronchitis but she still has it so she is asking that we uh, lay hands on her and pray for her uh, you know for the uh, cold the bronchitis you know so let's gather around her touch darla physically in the name of our father the son and the holy ghost dear heavenly father i thank you dear lord for darla's obedience and for her willingness to come forward uh you know dear lord you know what's going on god you know that she has bronchitis and god you know that the doctors have given her the medication but it's still there Uh, you know and god we trusted you before the doctors and god we trust you now god that you would touch her God, that you would heal her, that you would remove the bronchitis from her. God, that you would take the coughing away, dear Lord, that she would be able to breathe with ease. Uh, You know, God, we thank you, dear Lord, that you are the one that we can bring our petitions to. Uh, You know, God, we thank you for knowing that you love us and that you care about everything that happens to us. You know the hair that's on our heads and the ones that just fell out. God, you love us and you care for us and we thank you. To go ahead and make their way forward. Lord, if you can pray for us again.
0: is close I am a person of my word.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was just going to tell you, I don't need space tonight. No, I'm (laughs) Oh, oh, man. Well, I told you this morning that tonight we are going to begin and we're going to talk more about uh, you know God's will and we're going to talk about uh, the sovereign will of God and we're going to talk about the moral will of God and we're going to talk about the practical or the personal will of God uh, you know whenever we look at this and, and before we actually even get into this I, I want to go back to the statements uh, you know that I you know that I made this morning and you know this morning I you know I said that, uh, you know, whenever we encounter God and whenever we're seeking God and we encounter God, there is a dramatic, uh, you, know, um, uh, you know, it's a dramatic happening. Uh, you know, so whenever we meet with him or whenever we encounter God, there is something dramatic that happens in our lives. But let's get an understanding. I am saying dramatic. I am not saying loud. I'm not saying big. I'm saying that is a dramatic change or something dramatic happens in your life. Okay? We can have an encounter with God that is very quiet but yet it is still dramatic. It can be something small but it is still dramatic. In Jeremiah chapter 10 verse 23 we find these words. It says, I know Lord that Our lives are not our own. We are not able to plan for our or we are not able to plan our own course. We as human beings, we cannot, we do not have the capabilities, we do not have the knowledge to be able to plan out our life and live it in a manner that is worthy of being called a Christian. There's absolutely, positively no way for us to be able to do that. We are all born with this innate, with this fact that we are missing something. Uh, You know, there is a hole that is in our heart, but yet there is a moral compass. Do you understand? There is a moral compass. We know when we do wrong. We refuse to accept it sometimes that we're doing wrong. We We are our very worst enemies. We can convince ourselves, just like Saul was convinced that he was doing right. We can look into Scripture, and we can see where Scripture in one part tells us that what we're doing is wrong, and then we can go into another part of Scripture that doesn't have anything to do about what we're doing wrong, and we can move it to where it justifies what we're doing that the other passage of Scripture says we're doing wrong. But we have the moral compass that holds us in and tells us that we are doing wrong, and we need to follow that moral compass. The problem with society is, is that the compass is broke, right? Right? I don't think it's broke. I think it's that we refuse to see that it's right, and we still want to do what we want to do. Because in God's sovereignty, God is in control, and He still is the one that is directing things, regardless of how we think about it, regardless if we agree with what God's doing, There is nothing, there is absolutely positively nothing on this earth that does not happen that God does not know that it's going to happen. And he allows it to happen because it all fits into his perfect plan that at the end every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord and everyone and everything will glorify him. That is his overall thing. And everything that happens is directed in that path. So the moral compass is broke. We're broke. And we refuse to allow the moral compass to direct our paths. Now God's moral compass, we look into the scripture, and that moral compass that he writes out for us is all predicated. It all deals with the Ten Commandments. Everything is boiled down to those Ten Commandments. And then you say, well, okay, I haven't murdered anybody. Well, that's fine. Jesus takes the Ten Commandments and says, okay, the Ten Commandments can also be done spiritually or within your heart. Although you didn't stab or you haven't stabbed anyone, you didn't shoot them, you didn't choke them to death, but you wanted to, right? Come on now. Then we've committed the sin." Men, it's always our downfall. Women. Now, the women aren't really the downfall. It's the fact that we can't admire them as God's creations. Because we have to go further. And we have to think about things in our heads. We don't commit adultery physically, but we commit adultery spiritually. Jesus says it's the exact same thing. Whether you touch them or you think about touching them, you have committed adultery. Wow. Wow that is hard that is harsh and hard booger i I get booger Uh, you know i really like uh, you know booger is really just he's honest uh you know he he looks at me and he says pastor he says so the second look is a sin right so if i look for a long 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 time that's not the sin right it's the second look that's the sin Well, it's the mind, and where the mind goes to, regardless of it's the first, second, or third, or fourth look. But the thing is, is that uh, that might be funny, and we might laugh at it, but, you know, in honesty, Booger's moral compass is working. And he knows. And we all know. We know that we have to do something about it. But there's absolutely no way, Uh, you know, Jeremiah tells us, you know, that there's no way that we can do this on our own. The only way that we can accomplish this is by seeking God and by following God's will. You know, so yes, the dramatic experience that we have can be something that's really simple. In 1 Kings chapter 19 Verses 9 through 11. This is Elijah. Elijah's running for his life. Y'all remember this? He's just prayed down fire and he's just killed a hundred and some odd priests of Baal. And now Queen Jezebel is is, uh, upset because he killed all of her priests. And now she has her husband uh, that's chasing him, trying to kill him. And he flees for his life he just called down fire from heaven and the god that produced the fire from heaven can't protect can't protect me he can provide fire from heaven he can take up all of this uh, you know this altar all the water all the you know he can consume all of it but he can't protect me so i've got to run for my life i like that is that somebody clapping that was good timing, yeah. That was good timing, you know, because you know we see this, you know, when Jeremiah is fleeing for his life. But aren't we that way? God does something dramatic in our lives, and the next minute we're running. You know, we're frail, we're afraid, we're you know we don't understand why the troubles are still coming at us. So it says here in verse nine, it says. He came to a cave where he spent the night, but the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord, my God almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me verse 11 Go out and stand before me on the mountain the lord told him and elijah stood there the lord passed by and a mighty storm wind storm hit the mountain it was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose but the lord wasn't in the wind after the wind was an earthquake but the lord wasn't in the earthquake So Elijah did as he was told. On the mountaintop, God sent the wind, sent the fire, sent the earthquake, but God wasn't in either one of them. Then we find in verse 11, and after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. And there was God. It's a dramatic experience. Sometimes it's an earthquake. Sometimes it's a gentle breeze. 99.5% of the time, we need an earthquake. We need something to shake us to our core before we will turn and listen to God Paul's experience on the Damascus on the road to Damascus traumatic experience the bright light the horse throwing him from the or the yeah the horse throwing him to the ground And then he hears the voice. I really do. I long for a moment in time where I audibly hear God's voice. I want to hear it out loud. I don't want it to be a mistake. You know, We inundate ourselves with Scripture, and we pray and we talk with God, and we ask for directions, and we ask for Him to show us the steps that He needs for us to take. Sometimes we hear this small voice that's coming from inside that we would say could be our moral compass that says, this is the way. Walk in it. So we make that step. But we want God to speak to us. How do we know that the voice that we hear inside is the voice of God? And not simply a voice of reasoning. How do we know that it's him? Can I give you a clue? He will never ask us to do something that goes against his moral laws. Never, ever, ever, ever will he ask you to do something that is against his moral law. So these shows and things that we see on TV and, uh, you know, you have these people killing other people and stuff and they say, God told me to do that. No. No. It's completely against God's moral law. He will never, ever ask us to do that. Another way that we gauge this or we look at this and we see, okay, is this actually the you know the step and what God would have for me to do? We take it to the scripture. Remember, we talked about it this morning. We take it to God's word that we have faith in, that we trust is his instructions. And we make sure that it lines up with this. Can I give you another thing? God will always put a person in your life to confirm the call and the task that He has before you. It's one of the reasons why our spouses is so important to make sure that we have the right one. If we're unevenly yoked, and we're asking God for directions and we're not sure, we should be able to get directions from our spouse. But if they're not connected to God, then we really can't get that spouse, we, we, we can't find out from that spouse. So if that can't happen, then you have to make sure that there's another Christian or there's a Christian that you are close to that you can go to and they can talk to you and you can, and they can help you Ministers are really, you know, we go through this. You know, I answered the call into ministry two years after Peggy and I was married. I was 24 years of age whenever I finally answered the call to go into ministry. And as I told daughter this morning, from that point in time, I went into youth ministry and started doing youth work. I had a pastor at that time that confirmed that God was at work. He noticed that God was at work in my life. He saw the leadership skills, and he was glad to let me take over the kids. Most pastors are just simply, please go with the teenagers. I've had enough pizza to last me a lifetime. If you go to a youth outing, there's going to be Cheese pizza and pepperoni pizza. And I'm like, where in the world is the supreme for the adults? We need adult pizza. But there is always, there will always be someone that God places in your life to confirm that. And guys, that's one of the reasons that Robbie said something that you know this morning you know, this evening about praying about it. If you come to me, Marty came to me about the compassionate ministry. And the first thing that I told Marty, I said, okay, Marty, we need to pray about this for two weeks, and we need to find one other person to help you with it. We've got to make sure that there is other people to confirm what God has for us to do. To confirm the walk that God has for us. But we also need that second person really just simply to help us. Because if you're doing it on your own, you're going to burn out pretty quickly. God will have someone there to help you with it. Because he wants this ministry that he has you involved, that he has put upon your heart. He wants to see it work. He wants to see it flourish. So he'll put him there for you. Psalms 32 verse 8. It says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best path for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. The best path. The best path might not be the path with less resistance. The best path might be the hardest path to go down. But God says that he will be with us and he will be watching over us. In Psalms 37, 23, the Lord directs the steps of the godly and delights in every detail of their lives. Every detail of their lives. He delights in it. He loves it. He wants to see us be able to accomplish All the things that he has for us to accomplish. God's sovereign law or sovereign will is on the broadest axis. That's the showing and the understanding that he's created everything. He holds everything together. He continues to hold and to know exactly what's going on. His moral will, his moral law that's for us is to govern us down the right path. To make sure that we're right with him. And you remember this morning I told you that his sovereign will and his moral will, those two things will never change. But whenever we look and we begin to think about what He has for us, those are the things. Those are the things that we search for. Those are the things that we long for. As Christians, we want to make sure that we're doing right. Isn't that right? 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 We want to make sure that what we're doing is what God would have for us to do. We've got to seek His will. We can't go around this world aimlessly. We can't just simply get up in the morning and say, C'est la vie. Or, no, it's. There's a song out about that. What is it? Uh, You know, K. Sarah, Sarah. you know whatever it will be it will be that is not the life that god wants us to live how many of you pray and ask god what groceries to buy do you ask him do you think we need to He says that he is interested in our every detail. Do we, at, <laughs> we... We should ask him, but whenever we come up to the dessert aisle and we come up to... And he says, John, you don't need that chocolate cake. Don't need that cherry pie. I, you know, see, I had a nice person that bought me those, uh, you know, um, uh, those cherries in the jar. Oh, you should have seen me last night sitting there. I was, I was standing at the counter with a spoon eating those cherries. I was like, wow. I'm like, you know they're good. A lot of times the good things that we want, God really doesn't want us to have them. What about the car? What about whenever we go car shopping? Do you pray to God about the car? I I really don't pray to God about the car. I just simply say, God, if it goes through easy, then I know that's the one that you want me to have. (laughs) So far, it's worked out okay. I haven't bought a lemon yet. But God wants to know, He wants us, He wants to be involved in our grocery list the same way that he wants to be involved in the car that we purchase or the house that we purchase. He wants to know where we are. Well, he knows where we are. He wants to be involved in it. How many of you have a close enough walk with God that if you're honest and you're walking down the grocery store aisle, whichever one it be, And there's something there that you want to get. And he tells you, no, I don't think you need that, that you would hear it. That's where he wants us to be. God's will for us. We we have to seek him to be able to find it. And whenever we seek Him, we'll find Him. And whenever we find Him, we'll praise Him. Right? And whenever we find His will, we'll do what? We'll follow it. We should. So does that mean if I don't pray about it, that He can't tell me that it was wrong? Diabetics would be able to tell you really quick if that extra piece of cake that they ate was not right, right? The scales will eventually catch up with everybody else. (laughs) See, some of us, some of us pray And ask God for directions on the big things. But we take the little things. And we deal with them the way that we think they should be dealt with. And God says I want all of it. I want to be a part of all of it. After all. He knows the number of hairs that's on your head. And yes. He even knows whenever it falls out. Uh, You know, whenever I'm cleaning out the sink in the morning from all the ones that fell out of my hair, or out of my head, he knows those. You know, this kind of turned in a little funny, but guys, God wants to be an intricate part of everything that we do. So next Sunday morning, whenever you throw your feet out of the bed, And you say, God, do you want me to go to church today? What should the answer be? Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You just prayed. (laughs) See, there's a lot of us, uh, you know, that thinks that God's not interested in the small little things. Well, we just read the scripture that said that he is interested in every little part of our lives. He watches over everything. And he wants us to succeed. Jeremiah says that we can't make a plan for our own lives. We have to have God, we have to have him in the little things, and we have to have him in the big things. For all the things to work right. Amen. For all the things to work right. So I want to close. Because this has taken us to homecoming. And to revival. Regardless of where you are in your walk. Tonight. Tonight. I want to tell you and I want to ask you and I want to encourage you. I want to employ upon you. Uh, You know, um, come Sunday seeking God. You can seek him all the way through the week. I don't really, you know, that's I, I hope you seek him every day of the week. But Sunday, I ask that you come seeking God. And if you seek God, what? Okay, let's do this all together. If you seek God, if you find God, you'll praise Him. And whenever you find God, what happens? You'll follow Him, but there will be a dramatic experience in your life. So we're seeking God for Sunday the 28th. To have a dramatic experience. Seek Him, you'll find Him. Whenever you find Him, you'll praise Him. And you will have a dramatic experience. Because He wants to be found. And He wants to be a part of every bit of your life bit of it amen amen let's stand if i had that song run devil run i'd like to play it right now because i'm ready i am ready to run through this week and i am looking forward to experiencing a dramatic uh, you know event with god uh, you know this homecoming and revival Uh, you know we have done everything that we're supposed to do right you know We've been preparing our hearts, we've been praying, we're going to have 24 hours of prayer. We're asking Him to come and to bless us. And whenever we ask Him to, He's going to do it. We're prepared. Now we need to seek. And in that seeking, our eyes will be wide open to be able to see His work. Amen? Now we have food and we have cake and ice cream over here in the fellowship hall. We're going to celebrate the birthdays in October. Okay, so October birthdays, you get to go first. October anniversaries, you get to go second. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for the close of the message and I'm going to pray for the food that's over there. So whenever we get there, we'll just simply walk in. Okay, now notice that whenever the birthday people are sitting down, no, wait a minute, how are we going to do this? Don't worry about it, we'll just handle it whenever we get over there, but we'll sing happy birthday and happy anniversary to you. All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for tonight, and God, I thank you for the message that you have given to us. I pray that your face, dear Lord, would shine upon us and that you would bless each and every one that is here. God, I pray that you will bless the hands that have provided the food, that you would bless the food and that you would use it to the uplifting of our bodies and to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.